it sets us apart from everybody else to be able to have to talk about things that the average Protestant Christian is not used to discussing. And, and everything I'm going to show you is in the Bible, but, but your Protestant teaching teaches you to read over it. And, and all of us have all of us have filters in our brains to where when we think we already know something, we disregard any other information. I talked about it, uh, I think it was on the podcast the other day where I was saying one character flaw that we develop as being Americans is we have a superiority complex. We say things like we're the greatest nation in the world. Well, what does that tell everybody else? If a certain denomination says we're the best denomination out of, what does it say about all other denominations? So with our superiority thinking in America, in the Western world, Western free world, we tend to disregard any information that is not in line with what we have been taught. So I pray to God that you don't turn off the broadcast today. I pray to God that you open your heart and your mind because once again, I want to reiterate, everything that I'm going to show you is from Scripture. And, 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 and uh, my belief is, is that all of us that are Christians, we should go by what the Bible says. Not by what uh, other theologians have uh, interpreted the Bible to say, but what the Bible says. The hardest part of being, uh, when I was in school, I went to College of Biblical Studies for a few semesters, and uh, the first class that I took was Bible Study Methods. That's the first uh, theological course that I took, Bible Study Methods. And in Bible Study Methods, he taught us how to observe the text, interpret the text, and apply the text. So it took us so long just to get over observing the text, and you would think that that would be the easiest part. But what the instructor showed us, Dean Haywood, and a lot of y'all know Dean Haywood, what he, what he was showing us was how our preconceived notions can uh, make us think that the Bible is saying something that it's not saying. Amen. So in Bible study methods, in the first step, observation, just read what the text says. Don't, don't bring in what grandma taught you. Don't start humming like your pastor hum. Just read what the scriptures say. And that's why it's imperative that you know and understand. It doesn't do you any good to read an entire book if you're not going to get an understanding. So what I challenge people here at Sabbath Rest to do is that if you have to stick with one verse, you stick with one verse and get an understanding, then you move on. But we got, we got a whole lot of reading going on, but I'm telling you, your preconceived Western free mind, Protestant mind, has you reading over what we're going to discuss today. And we're, we're catching up uh, from where we left off last week. Now, the Bible uses the word pertaining to a day. The Bible uses the word Shabbat, or, or in English we call it Sabbath. The Bible, the King James Bible, only uses the word, uh, uh, I'm sorry, never ever, not once uses the word Sunday, unless you get into these newer translations. And I've, I've already discussed several times with you the problem with these newer translations 
uh, are worse than translations, these newer paraphrases. They take liberties and they change the meaning, God's original intent meaning when he wrote this in the original language, which the Old Testament was Hebrew, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was in Aramaic, and the uh, uh, rest of the New Testament uh, is in Greek. And we have to be able to understand and just come to grips with this true fact, y'all. This is just a biblical fact. Whenever have you seen the word Sunday in the Bible? And when the Bible says Sabbath, when he's initiated the Sabbath, he consistently say the seventh day. So that wipes away your theory, I can pick any day I want to. No, you can't. You can, obviously, because so many people have done it. But is it prudent? Is it right? So as we look at the uh, Sabbath school lesson for today, I just want us to keep in mind some biblical facts. Some biblical facts. Now, if you want to, in, in, in your Christian life, if you find it prudent to live by things that's outside of the Bible, that's between you and God. Hallelujah. So as we begin to study this Sabbath school lesson, I want you to bear in mind that this is going to be uh, disagreeable by some, some people. Uh, It's probably, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be a lot of stuff that you've never heard. And if you have heard it, you've been given little tricks to dispel it, little Protestant tricks to dispel it. But we're going to talk about all that today. But all I ask is, let the Bible, God's holy word, be your final authority. Once again, it does you no good to go ask somebody about the Sabbath who don't know about the Sabbath. Because if they really knew about it, they would be doing it. A little bit more housekeeping. Before we start, let's go to Paul's letter to the Church of Colossians. Before we even start, let's go to Paul's letter to the church, to the people in the city of Colossae. Let's go to Colossians uh, chapter 2. And let's start at verse 16. Colossians chapter 2. And let's start at verse 16. Colossians chapter 2. Let's start at verse 16. Everybody ready? The Bible says, so don't let anyone condemn you. As a matter of fact, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So for understanding, because... It, it, it uses the vernacular that we speak in today in America. Verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days, new moons, ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worshiping of angels, 
saying that they have had a vision of these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for the whole, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. So right away, I want to point out this fact before we start. It is not correct to hold non-Jewish Christians to keeping the Sabbath, uh, the seventh-day Sabbath. By Paul's writing in the New Testament, we cannot say that somebody is not saved if they're not keeping the Sabbath. We cannot say that. I want to make that clear before we start. Keeping the Sabbath has nothing, everybody say nothing, to do with your salvation. Fair enough. Wanted to clear that up before we start. Now, let's go ahead and start. And we're using, uh, once again, we're using the Sabbath School lesson. Uh, the website is absgadventist.org. ABSG.adventist.org. Once again, I reiterate, we're not uh, Seventh-day Adventists, but to be able to teach Sabbath types teachings, we do use the Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lessons. Otherwise, we'll never have a correct Sabbath School teaching. Hallelujah. Uh, a correct Sabbath teaching. We'll never get it using first-day thinking. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at our memory text. Our memory text uh, is uh, Leviticus 23 and 3. And the Bible says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. We hear all sorts of arguments against keeping the seventh-day Sabbath, don't we? We hear that Jesus changed the Sabbath to Sunday, and that Jesus abolished the Sabbath, or that Paul did, or that the apostles replaced the seventh-day Sabbath with Sunday in honor of the resurrection, and so forth and so on. In recent years, some of the arguments have become more sophisticated, Claiming, for instance, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Therefore, we don't we have no need to keep the day or any day holy. Uh -oh. Or any day holy. And of course, there will always be the argument, strange as it is, that by resting on the seventh day, we are somehow seeking to work our way into heaven. On the other hand, some Christians have become more interested in the idea of rest, of a rest day. And though they argue that the day is Sunday or that it doesn't matter what day, they have picked up on the biblical notion of rest and why it is important. Uh, uh, note for knowledge. The Hebrew word Shabbat or Sabbath translates into the word cease or stop or rest. It doesn't translate into the word Saturday. Sabbath or Shabbat means to cease from your work and to rest. Amen. Of course, we understand 
the perpetuality of God's moral law and that obedience to the fourth commandment as it reads is no more working our way into heaven than would be obedience to the fifth, sixth, or first commandment. Now, let me make a comparison here so that somebody might understand. Someone may say, well, Sabbath keepers, people who go to church and, and work and keep the Sabbath holy, that you're doing that by works. Well, if you go to church every Sunday, aren't you doing the same thing? You go into church every Sunday because of that law. I, I, if we're going to try to worship God, the Bible says this. The Bible says that the true worshipers, uh, worshipers of God must worship him how? In spirit and in what? Truth. Truth. And then uh, in John, he says that sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. Come on now. Sunday's lesson. Sabbath and creation. Of all the Ten Commandments, only the fourth begins with the word remember, the verb remember. And we talked about this last week. The word remember is a twofold word, not a compound word, meaning that two words are put together, although it is because it has a, a prefix and a, a root word. But it's a, it, 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 it's a, a broad word, a, a, a two-spectrum word, because remember means to let your mind go back to what you had already taught. Also, remember means in the future, don't forget. So when you say the word remember, you're talking, it has a past connotation and it has a future connotation. Remember means, remember what I already told you, and remember means don't forget in the future. So what the writer of this lesson is pointing out, let's go to Exodus chapter uh, 20. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. What the writer is trying to point out here is that when we look at uh, the fourth command out of the what we like to call the Ten Commandments, it is really ridiculously amazing that how we would do anything to prove our point against God's word. That, that's really amazing to me about Christians. I'm not even talking about unsaved folks. I'm talking about pastors, preachers, bishops, deacons, elders. Listen, teach what the Bible says and stop trying to make it fit what you live in. Hallelujah. In Exodus chapter 20, let's start at verse 3. This is command number one out of the ten, what we call the Ten Commandments. This is command number one. You must not have any other gods before the true and living God. That, that's commandment number one. Has that changed? Is it okay for us to have other gods now? You have to answer these questions with your own heart. I'm going to ask the question. You answer the question. The first commandment says, you must not have any other gods before me. Does that still stand? Or has that changed in this modern day church? Second command is verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind of image or anything in the heavens and the earth and the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I am the Lord your God. Watch this. I am a jealous God 
who will not tolerate your affection for any other God. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. So in other words, idolatry. Don't make nothing and then make it into a God. Nothing, and not only you personally, but nothing that a human being makes. Nothing made by human hands should be worshipped. Is that still true? Or is it okay to make things and bow down to them now? The third command, the third command, verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go and punish if you misuse his name. The King James says, don't use his name in vain. Is, is it okay now for Christians to do that? Or, or does this still stay? Still stay. <clears throat> Fourth commandment. Remember to observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You have six days each. You have six days to work for your ordinary work. But the seventh day, everybody say seven day. Seven day. Is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you. Your sons, your daughters, your male child, your female child, your servant, your livestock, and any foreigners in your gate. For in six days the Lord created the heaven and the earth, the sea, everything that's in them. But on the seventh day, God rested. That is why the Lord blessed the seventh day and set it apart and made it holy. I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot to lie and defend yourself by asking you, is this still applicable? Because right away, you're going to go Protestant, free Western mind on me. But if you watch this, let me read the other six first. Let me read the other six. The fifth commandment is in verse 12. He says, honor your mother and your father that you may live long, full life in the land that your God gives you. The next command, the sixth command, is you must not murder the uh, seven is you must not commit adultery. Eight, you must not steal. Uh, and nine, you must not testify against your neighbor, falsely testify against your neighbor. And then that tenth and final command that we know of uh, says you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, is it okay to cover people's stuff now? Is it okay to go around hating those folks? Because when we found out about coveting people's stuff, it's not only do you want it, you don't want them to have it. Uh, is it okay to lie now? The ninth command, don't testify falsely against your name. Is it okay to lie now? Okay. Uh, is it okay to steal now? Is this commandment done away with? Is it okay to murder now? Is this commandment done away with somehow? Is it okay not to honor your mom and your dad? Is that commandment done away with now? So, oh, oh, I get it, I get it. God made a mistake when he told Moses to write the fourth commandment. That's what happened. God made a mistake. <laughs> I'm sure you know I'm being facetious. 
Because I don't even realize how we think that the other nine, the first three, and the subsequent six, and then all of a sudden in the middle of the fourth command, God don't mean that no more. That's what this American thinking does for us. It gives us a superiority complex and you think you even smart than God. I know what the trans, I know what the theologians, I know what uh, St. Augustine wrote. I know what Polycarp wrote. I know what all these uh, 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 theologians uh, 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 and commentators, I know what they wrote. I hadn't, heard, I hadn't read every single writing of them, but I've read enough to get the gist of what they were trying to say during their generation. And because the Jews had become so stiff-necked and arrogant and, 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 and keeping the Sabbath holy to make themselves look better and not God. When we read the book of Acts, we see how they were, uh, the Jews were treating the uh, new converts, the new Gentile converts. We see how they was treating them. So basically, what the new converts said at the beginning of the New Testament in the book of Acts they was treating them so bad when they tried to go to church. Matter of fact, when you look at the temple during Jesus' time and afterwards, you will see that there's a part out in the temple called the court of the Gentiles. They wouldn't even let them into the uh, temple. They had to go to the left-hand side of the temple in the court of the Gentiles. They wouldn't even let them in. So you know what they said? You know what the Gentile converts said? We're going to church tomorrow. That's basically the first hint of first day worship. These people so crazy, they so arrogant, they so stuck up and mean, we're not coming to church, we're not trying to worship God with them. They making our worship in vain because they put in too much rules and laws and regulations. See, the Sabbath was reconstructed because of what men was doing, not because of what God did. Church still like that today. How many times have you left a church? Not because God uh, displeased you, but because what people in the church was doing. So what we what we not understanding about our Christian life is that as representatives of God and, and uh, 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 as, as fellow heirs with Christ, we should be living the kind of life that's attractive to people and not repelling people. But the Sabbath was reconstructed not because of what God did, but because of what human beings were doing. Because the Jews were so mean and stiff-necked and arrogant to people. They say, you know what? Read the book of Acts for yourself. They beat Paul and left him for dead. Anybody talking about Jesus, they, they, they beat him and left him for dead. And it was the Jews. When you read it in the book of Acts, how many times do you read it was the high priest that was causing the trouble? So I mean, if the high priest calling the trouble, I mean, really, I don't expect nobody to come here to Sabbath rest if it's me, the pastor, causing all the trouble. Now, through history, I'm going to show you some more of how Sabbath was reconstructed during Constantine's time and then, of course, during Martin Luther's Reformation. I, I'm going to show you all that. How the Sabbath was changed because of what men was doing, not because of what God did or said. Hallelujah. Amen. Elder, I saw your hand. Amen. Uh, now we're just going to just comment on what you were saying about uh, that God made a mistake. That, you know, you got some people that actually believe that. There's a website out there I read a couple of years ago. It, uh, the name of the website is the the uh, the Nine Commandments. And that the Sabbath was actually supposed to be a ceremonial law, not a moral law. 
then somehow God made a mistake and put a, a moral law or a ceremonial law right in the middle of these moral laws. You know, and, and basically that's what he was saying, God made a mistake. So you trying to you trying you trying your best to explain yourself what you saying you didn't mean that God is wrong. That's basically what you're doing. And you right. Yeah. Amen. And you, like I say, this is on the WWW, Worldwide Web, that people can sit and read and get knowledge on you spewing this kind of information out there. If you don't want to keep the Sabbath or whatever you want to do, have nothing to do with Sabbath, just don't do it. But don't put information out there that's going to possibly lead somebody else Amen. in the wrong direction. Amen. Because if, if somebody looking at the class today and they want to refute what I'm saying, the worst place you can go is to the internet. Stick with scripture. Stick with the Bible. Find your Because just like Elder just pointed out, you have people trying to make their points so much that they would even imply or come straight out and say that God was wrong. God made a mistake. Don't you know you're standing on dangerous ground when you say that? Because if, watch this. This, this. this is the problem with that. If God made a mistake here, where else did he make a mistake? So now we can't even trust the Bible. I, I'm going to move on. Hallelujah. Uh, Sunday's lesson. All of the Ten Commandments says remember. It's not remember you shall not steal. It doesn't say remember you shall not cover. It doesn't say remember. Hallelujah. There is only the remember with the fourth commandment. The rest says not thou shall not, except the fifth command, which just simply says honor your mother and your father. But all the rest of them says that command one, thou shall not, two, thou shall not, three, thou shall not. Uh, of six, thou shalt not, seven, thou shalt not, eight, thou shalt not, nine, thou shalt, shalt not, ten, thou shalt not. Why does he come and put remember here? Once again, God didn't make no mistake. So let's look at the reason he says remember. Let's go to Genesis. And the word Genesis means what? Begin. The word Genesis means beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. So the Bible says, let's read uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we'll start right at verse 1. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, so the creation of heaven and earth and everything in them was complete. On the Sabbath day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Let's establish this principle right here. Let's just stop. See law. Is this true? Did God create the heavens and the earth in seven days. Let's establish that fact first. Amen. Verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day. Stop. Selah. God blessed the seventh day. Now, uh, let, me, let me finish verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. So he did two things. He blessed it and he declared it holy. Uh, for he had. Wait a minute, lost myself. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Would you say deep? No, when you say he made it holy, he said it apart. Yes. That's right. So we see at this point, and I'm moving slow. I'm, today's mission is not to finish this lesson. Today's mission is to get understanding on how important it is, uh, not obligated, 
but how important it is that we uh, begin to understand why God implemented the seventh-day Sabbath. That's all I want to prove. I'm not saying anybody got to do it. I'm not saying that you're not saved if you don't do it. I'm just showing you the importance and why we do it. Hallelujah. So we see up until this point, three things have happened. First of all, God is our example on resting on the seventh day. That's that. Don't listen. Don't jump over that fact. That God just showed us that he's our example in making sure that we get rest. He's the example. And right here, uh, this is talking about God the Father. Hallelujah. And then watch this. So we got to establish that fact first, that God is the example of how we should get rest. Because it's one of the most important things for the human body. Getting rest, eating, and drinking water, all three of those, uh, well, let me go ahead and put exercise in there and, and work, because he gave us seven day, uh, six days to do that. So we got to understand that having work for the body to move around and to make sure that the body is in motion because that's what the human body is supposed to be. The human body is not made to sit down and, and lay down and just rest, rest, rest all the time. No, he gave us one day. Six days you need to be out there getting it. See, that's another example right there. They got a scripture that says, if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. And then not only did he rest on that day and become our example, he also blessed the day. Now, the definition that I've always been taught for the word blessed was empowered to prosper. When, you, when we use the word blessed, we are saying that God has given you abilities to prosper, to do good. The word blessed is always used in the positive sense. Amen. And he declared it or made it holy, meaning he set it apart for a special purpose, for his special purpose. And I've always used the example of these chairs in the pulpit area. Now, anybody that go to a church, saved or unsaved, everybody knows, unless it's a baby, a child, they don't know no different. They'll come run up here in the pulpit and play. We got to stop them. But any of us of, of, of clarity of mind understand that these are chairs, just like any other chair in this building. But these chairs have been set apart and made holy. Only, only ordained ministers get to come sit up here in these chairs. That's it. And if we ever rent the building to anybody or let somebody have a service in this building, one of the first things I tell them is, only ordained ministers up here in this pulpit. I don't care if you like your deacon. If he ain't ordained, he got to sit over here. I don't care about how close y'all are. They, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Because it was the day when God rested from all his work of creation. So we see here that the Sabbath, God giving human beings a rest day, comes from the beginning. And, and I wanted to make sure I pointed that out to detach it from the Mosaic law that was given to Moses at Sinai, at Mount Sinai. I wanted to make a distinction between that, that that is two totally different things. That's why at Sinai, God told him to remember. The only way he 
could have instructed Moses to tell the people to remember is he had to have already said it in the past. And this is where he said it at right here in Genesis chapter 2. Now let me interject this. Since I have given you the uh, encouragement that Sabbath keeping has nothing to do with your salvation. It does not. It, if you, you can go to church any day you want to and be saved because you love the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Sabbath is a health law because it benefits the body. Sabbath is a health law. God understands that the body needs rest or it'll break. You don't understand that, but God understood that he made the human body. And he knows he created the earth to have seven days. We know that to be true just by the rotation of the earth around the sun. That's called a week. 30 of them is called a month. 365 of them is called a year. And that's how those things are gauged. How many times do, does the earth rotate around the sun? So it's really uh, a health concern. And this is the reason that I teach keeping the Sabbath holy. At this point, I will just uh, encourage you, just try it. Just try it. Just try to keep the Sabbath day holy. The seventh day. Don't pick one on your own. He said which one. The one that's at the end of the week. After you've worked all week, get you some rest. Hallelujah. Amen. To be honest with you, I, I don't know a scripture where it says that you got to go to church on the Sabbath. And it, it may be one. I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not aware of it. So uh, sometimes we put just going to church on the Sabbath as the thing. No, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, because remember now, Hebrews count days different than us. When the sun goes down today, it's going to be the first day of the week already, the Hebrew mind. You, you get that understanding. Uh, right here in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, he says the evening and the morning was the first day. He lets us know that right off the beginning on how he got the day. So when the sun goes down, that's the beginning of a new day. In America, we wait till midnight. It's a Western Protestant thinking, we wait till midnight. But that's not how the Bible comes today. That's why this thing about they put him in the tomb on Friday, and he wrote, that's why that's so confusing. Because you can't get three three days and three nights. The Bible specifically says three days and three nights. And you can't get that out of him being put in the tomb on Friday. And this, this, this Western thinking, I read one note that said, because Hebrews count any part of a day like a whole day. No, you misunderstood the sun going down makes a new day is what happened. You misunderstood that. So when the sun goes down, uh, when the sun went down last night, that's when the Sabbath begins, and when it goes down today, that's when it ends. So, with this being a health law, this is my this is my encouragement to you. If you are sick, or if you are a sickly person, try keeping the Sabbath holy, and see how your body will be, begin to rejuvenate itself. And they got a lot of people watching right now sick. You're on medicine. You had to take your pills this morning. Don't argue about it. Try it. The Sabbath is a health law. 
Our bodies need rest. Watch this. How many of y'all remember when coronavirus started in uh, 2020? And they shut everything down. By the second week in March, everything was shut down. Well, by the end of April and beginning of May, we were getting reports from the scientists that the earth was beginning to clean herself up. The water was clear in Venice. The air was clear in Los Angeles and China. The earth was beginning to clean herself up. Why? She needed rest time, y'all. And we're not giving her enough. We're not giving no rest time. I don't even want to stand here and uh, hook coronavirus and the Delta variant to what's going on in our lives today spiritually. Actually, you know what? I think I will. If we would just stay home and rest on one day a week, and watch this for argument's sake, just for argument's sake, pick any day, just for argument's sake, pick any day, unless the bulk of America, the most of us, would rest and just stay home all on the same day, that we would come up, and, and because I don't want to make it all about it, the Sabbath. I, I want to prove a point to you. Let's pick any day. Matter of fact, you know what? To make you feel better, let's pick Sunday. Let's pick Sunday. And let's say that we're all going to rest on Sunday. We're going to shut it down. No work, no stores, no shopping, none of that. Just like when the pandemic started last year. And let's see how the earth will begin to clean itself now, I know if the earth will clean itself, and since God created me from the dust of the ground, from the earth, my body's going to begin to rejuvenate itself, too. It's a health law. And it's amazing how sick folk will argue with me about this Sabbath. So just for argument's sake, let's make it Sunday. But let's all agree that we're going to rest on that on Sunday. Nothing going on with church service. Amen? Shut it down. Make sure you get your gas the day, the day before so you have your, your way to work. Make sure you get your food. So Make sure you got everything ready. It's called a day of preparation. That's what Friday is for us. It's called the day of preparation in the Bible. You've read it before. And let's rest and let's see if we don't become better people. See, the reason we're killing each other, we're so angry and frustrated and sick and depressed, is because we're not getting no rest. That's, that, that is the reason, the, the, the uh, uh, definite article reason why this country and the world is going bonkers. It's because we stressed out, because we really be tired. We're not getting no rest. Why do you think such a simple thing as uh, uh, hypertension is taking people out? Last I looked, heart disease was the number one killer of men and now of women as well in America. Heart disease. You just stressed out. And eating bad. The, watch this. Don't argue with me. Don't say that on that chapter again and be crazy and all that. Try it. Just try it. Elder has a testimony about his instructor when we was in Fidelis, uh, uh, Fidelis Institute of Theology. He has a testimony about his instructor. He was teaching on an old, what y'all was teaching on? 
Because we was doing the Pentateuch in the class we was in. What was that other class we took? Say that again? The Feast of Israel, he said. They were studying the Feast of Israel in his class, in theological seminary. And his instructor came across Sabbath keeping, and he wanted to try it. And he, and he encouraged his students to try it. And then when they came back after they tried it, he asked them to give testimonies. Of course, the elder didn't have a testimony to give because he keeps the Sabbath every week. Wasn't no big thing to him. But those who, who, who did it and tried it, they had positive testimonies about their life, their health, their, their, their mental capacity, <coughs> ability to think clearly. How many of you wish you had the ability to think clearly right now? <laughs> It'll come if you give yourself some rest. And just like I said, I want to prove God right so bad, not that I'm changing God's word because I'm going to keep the Sabbath, and I think once we prove to you how beneficial it is for your health, I really believe you'll keep it too. But if I come and I teach it to you as a law, that we got to do it, and if you don't do it, you're not saved, you're going to rebel against it, and I don't blame you because that's not right. So God put it on my heart to make sure you teach it as a health message. When we remember creation, we remember that we are created in God's image. Likeness. And we are created in God's image. So once again, if God rested on the seventh day, we're created in his image. That implies that we do what he do. We look like he like. We, we look like he look. We do the things he did, he did. Something that is not said about anything else depicted in the creation account. There is nothing else in creation account except we are made in God's image. We're supposed to love like God. We're supposed to be given like God. So, and, and I'm using all these other examples to show you because I already know the Christians are going to be like, yes, I'm loving. Yes, I'm giving. Yes, I'm. But then you look at this and you just flat out reject it. That's why we can't pick our own day to worship. That's why, in my opinion, you can't pick your own day to worship God because God has already given us a standard and what day to to honor him and that's obey right. him. That's right. Although he, he said give babies milk. And not that we're trying to change the day at all because I'm still going to keep the Sabbath. But just for argument's sake <laughs> see if your body don't start feeling better your mind ain't clearer when you start keeping a day holy. And when you real watch this to elevate it now you're going to have to do like Deacon just said once I prove to you that it's beneficial by keeping a day holy, then you're going to actually go keep the seven day holy because now you're going to realize the blessing that God put in. The Bible says, did we just read it in Genesis chapter 2? That God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Show me where he found he did that to any other day. Matter of fact, watch this. True biblical fact. No other day in the Bible has a name. I don't care what translation you read. No other day has a name except Sabbath. Friday is called the day of preparation. Sabbath is Sabbath. The Sabbath is the only day in scripture that has a name, that God gave a name. Now that should say something right there. And we must know, we must know this, that God created heaven and earth way before uh, 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 the 
Greco-Roman Empire came around. Now the reason I'm saying that is because the days of the week that we have, that's Greek mythological words. Sun day, moon day, wind day, Saturn day. All those, so don't give me that because this, 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 these things was instituted way, way after God started heaven and earth. It's obvious that as human beings, we are radically different from any other creature on the planet. Regardless of how much DNA we share in common with some other animals, and contrary to popular mythology, we are not mere advanced apes. We, are not, we don't come from monkeys. Hallelujah, that ain't what the Bible teaches. We are not a version of, of pre-moral primates. As humans, we are made in, in God's image, image. We are unique among all of God's creation in this world. Realizing that God also, also created our world reminds us of our responsibility to creation. Uh-oh, watch this. We have dominion over creation. God gave it to us. I'm sure you read it in Genesis chapter 1. Round verse 26 through 28. Have dominion over everything that God made. This is what he did for man. He loved us so much. We ought to have dominion over creation. Having dominions does not mean exploiting it. <laughs> I read this last night. I kept reading that word as explored. You know, just like I said, how your eyes play tricks on you. You think you're reading something that's not there. So in my reading, I kept saying, we don't have a right to explore it. Well, that didn't make sense in my mind, so I actually slowed down and looked at the word, and it said exploit. Take advantage of it. We don't have the right to do that. Listen to me carefully. You do not have the right to eat your hamburger and throw your paper out the window on the road. We do not have the right to just uh, uh, drive cars uh, that's, that's, that's letting out smoke out the exhaust pipe. That's why all the emission laws change. It is against the law for your car to be blowing smoke out the tailpipe. They let you get away with it when you first crank it up. But if these days, now remember when we were kids, you'll see cars riding down the street smoking out the tailpipe all the time. Well, now when the last time you seen that? Because <laughs> they changed the law. It's polluting the earth. We gotta stop dumping in the waters. All these oil refineries just dumping in our ravines. We we destroying the earth, y'all. Listen, they not gonna tell you, but I'm gonna tell you. That's why they're so busy trying to get into outer space. Because they know they can mess the earth up. And when I say they, I know somebody saying right now, who is they? Mainstream America. Mainstream America, those in power. They know that the earth has been depleted of all of its nutrients. They know that the air is now contaminated. And now you have people that have uh, chronic bronchitis, uh, chronic asthma attacks. It's all because the air is not clean to breathe no more. All this eczema all of a sudden. I don't remember no kid having no eczema when we was growing up. Babies being born allergic to the grass. Your child can't even play outside. All these children are allergic to peanuts. Everybody I knew ate peanut butter and jelly when I was coming up. Yes, 
Sin has marred and messed up everything. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. Sin has marred and messed up everything. I like to point this out because a lot of people don't realize this. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, I'm not sure what verse, he says that the whole creation is groaning. Because sin messed up the whole creation. The birds. That's why in the end in Isaiah, he gives us some examples. He says that the lion and the lion and the bear will lay together. Uh, the child will be able to play with the, I forget what animal it is, but he's showing us that when, 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 when the world is restored to God's original intent, that all of us are going to live in harmony together. You don't have to be scared of animals. And mostly, I don't know if you realize this, but animals are scared of you because they know a human being will kill them. So trust me, animals are scared of you way more than you're scared of them. Monday. Creating free, celebrating freedom. As we saw earlier, the Sabbath points to more than just the days of creation. The second time we hear the Ten Commandments, Moses was reviewing Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. This time, the sentence introducing the reason for keeping the Sabbath holy is not about creation, but rather about liberation from slavery and from bondage. That's why he told them to remember. The scripture says that the people of God was in Egypt 430 years. And over 430 years, living with the Egyptians, uh, first of all, they were free. Remember, they wasn't in slavery all that time. Remember, when Joseph went into Egypt with 70 people, they were free. Mm -hmm. They were free until they got a new pharaoh. And this pharaoh, the Bible says, did not know Joseph. And the people of Israel had become so prosperous and so rich and, and they started having so many babies. They, they began to grow inside of Egypt until somebody went and told the king, man, they outgrowing us. They're going to mess around and uh, we're going to be working for them. And that's how they got to be slaves in Egypt. So they weren't slaves for 430 years. They were in Egypt for 430 years. So when they left out of Egypt, when God sent Moses to take them out of Egypt, when he got them in the wilderness, he had to now teach them how to live like his people again because they had started living like Egyptians. Now, I do want to point this out. Egypt comes from the line of Cush. That's who Egyptians are. They were people of color. Ethiopian bloodline from Cain. Uh, uh, who am I thinking about? Carmel. Ham. That's what I'm thinking about. Ham. Ham and Cushion. All Cain and all of these children. Uh, these people had very, very prosperous lands. Very, very prosperous lands. Matter of fact, remember, the land of Canaan was so prosperous that God promised it to Israel. So we see now, the Sabbath has to do with liberating ourselves from slavery. Because slaves work seven days a week. It, honestly, watch this. It almost sounds like that's what the argument is about. Like people who want to reject the rest, they say, now let me work seven days a week. Like they really argue in the work they sell to death. 
put that in the same mindset. I put that in the same ludicrous mindset as a woman arguing me over killing a baby inside her belly. You know how ludicrous you sound? Arguing with me that it should be legal that you should be able to kill a baby inside of your belly. What kind of human beings are we becoming? <laughs> and though today we are not slaves in Egypt, we can, we can all face another kind of slavery. One that in some ways can be worse than being in slavery in Egypt can be worse than the oppression. Do you realize that some of us are keeping ourselves in slavery mentally? Mm -hmm. I thought it was uh, episode, uh, I think it might have been a Dr. Phil episode, maybe a Dr. Olive episode. But this woman was so scared of the outside world. Now, this is the episode they showed. I'm not saying it's true, I only saw it on TV. I'm not saying it's true, but it was an episode of Dr. Phil or Dr. Olive. This woman did not leave her house for over 15 years. Fear, living in fear, had herself in prison and enslaved. We gotta be careful watching too much news. It'll have you walking on the earth scared, walking around scared. And since they portrayed that black folk are the ones doing all the killing, they act like we're the only ones doing shooting killing. We scared of our own people now. Sabbath is a celebration of freedom from all the things that keep us in bondage. On Sabbath, we are reminded that there is freedom from sin. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Not in our own power, but the power of God, which is offered to us by faith. We also are reminded that this is a freedom we do not earn. The firstborn Israelite child children were saved by the blood of the lamb smeared over the doorpost the evening before they exited Egypt. We also have been saved by the blood of the lamb and are now to walk in freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. Let's, let's look at something. We are, we are Christians. Come on, somebody say that. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Now, once again, I want to reiterate this to you. You've got to be careful in reading with preconceived notions. You have to be careful reading your Bible thinking you already know what it's going to say. I showed this scripture to a senior pastor. And he had been pastoring for many, many years. And I showed him this scripture. And we, we friends. So he felt free enough to look at me in awesome wonder and say, God, God, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. If, and I know you've read the scripture. I know he's read the scripture many times. Because all of us read it how Isaiah, uh, they, they handed him the scroll and he found himself and read Isaiah. We, 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 we teach that all the time. But in our Western preconceived mind, we're not catching the fact that I'm going to show you right now. So the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, let's start at verse 16. Luke chapter 4, let's start at verse 16. The Bible says, and when he came to the village of Nazareth, his, home, his boyhood home, 
he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. See, you missed that. Because we're so eager to get to the point that the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed up to him. And he read, the spirit of the Lord is on me and he's anointed me to preach the good news. We're so busy trying to get to that that you missed the fact that Jesus went to church every Sabbath. You're a Christian, which means you're trying to be like Christ. And if it was good enough for Jesus, if it kept Jesus in his right mind, if it kept Jesus by the healthy, if it kept Jesus close to God, you mean to tell me it ain't good enough for you? You gonna, you gonna go with what St. Augustine said? St. Augustine said in one of his writings, he compared Sabbath keeping to circumcision. And he, this is the term he used, read it. He says, just as circumcision was done away with, so was the Sabbath. Now how in the world you gonna hook a ceremonial law up to a moral law, I have no clue. But people have been running with what St. Augustine said. In 325 AD, when Constantine became the uh, Roman emperor, who became the first Roman emperor that was a Christian, he changed some things that pertain to the church because when Constantine became Roman emperor, he made it illegal to persecute Christians. Persecuting Christians had been in effect since uh, Alexander the Great's time, which was about 3, 365 BC, 3-something three BC. And when, when, when Alexander came to persecute and kill and put in jail for nothing Christians, the only reason was they was talking about God and talking about Jesus. And it was okay to, to, to behead them. It was okay to mock them, to beat them. But when Constantine became Roman emperor in 325 AD, he now married the Roman government, which was the most vicious army ever built. He married the church and the Roman government together. And it became illegal. He stopped Hellenization. It became illegal to persecute people just for talking about Christ. So when we look at this scripture in Luke, don't read so fast that you read over the point that Jesus went to church every Sabbath. That's it. The, the King James says as his custom was. It was his habit to go to church on Sabbath. If you don't want to do no Jewish things, why are you following the Jewish Jesus? <laughs> Go follow Muhammad. Go follow Buddha. But why in the world would you say out of your mouth you are a Christian, which means being like Christ, and then with our Western Protestant free mind, we try to find reasons that we don't have to do. I, and look, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be fair with you. I'll just stick with the New Testament. I won't even worry about the Old Testament. I'll just stick in the New Testament. You're so busy trying to find reasons you don't have to do what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus fed 5,000. I ain't going on no evangelism, Doc. They know where the church at. But Jesus went on the street and fed people. 
We try to find all kind of reasons why we don't have to do what Jesus did. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, which means being like Christ, I admonish you right now to try to conform your thinking to the thinking of Christ. Fair enough. I pray God it is. Because one thing about God, God is not relenting. I don't care what your pastor say. God is not relenting on his word. He, he said what he meant, and he meant what he said, and he had holy, he inspired holy men to write it down so we might know what he said. We don't have to guess what God said. We don't have to wonder about how God feels about certain things. It's written in the book. And since it's written in the book, it's incumbent upon us that we would read the book, transform our thinking as Paul encouraged us to, being no longer conformed to the thinking of this world, that's why I say there's no such thing as an American Christian. There's only Christians that live in America because if you have an American mindset, an American way of thinking, there's no way you can be in Christ because you think abortion is okay. Jesus don't. You think homosexuality is okay. Jesus don't. You think adultery, having a wife and some side pieces is okay. Jesus don't. You think drinking alcohol till you can't walk and talk is okay, but Jesus don't. You think slapping your wife and children around is okay, but Jesus don't. So get your mind, get your mind geared up to what Jesus thinks. Hallelujah. Amen. You free in Christ, but you ain't free in Christ to go live any kind of way. You free in Christ to live like he lived. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm free in Christ. <laughs> Paul said this twice in Romans and twice in Corinthians. All things are lawful for me, but all things ain't good for me. He used the word expedient. Yeah, it's Christian. You're free to do whatever you want. There is freedom in Christ. But it ain't good for your body. And then watch this. All things are lawful for me, but all things don't edify God. <laughs> See law. Let that sink in for a minute. Because we are free. We free in Christ because if Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. You just got to realize that your freedom can become a stumbling block for others. Your freedoms can be destroying your body. Your freedoms can be destroying your relationships. Your freedoms, your freedoms, if, if it doesn't edify God and God can be glorified in it, you need to stop doing that. And I don't care how free you feel in it. Paul said emphatically, don't let your liberties become a stumbling block to others. Mm -hmm. So the problem with Sabbath keeping is the Jews, as they be, uh, begin to have uh, converts when the Gentiles, heathens and pagans were now allowed into the family of God, the Jews, and, and, and I really do believe they tried to do the right thing how many of you can admit that sometimes you try to do the right thing, but it turned out wrong? Mm -hmm. And I do believe that the Jews may have had a good part about uh, 
trying to teach the people how to keep all these laws to try to live for God, except for the new converts, those who simply believe in God by the faith, by faith in Christ, all of these strenuous laws that the Jews was trying to bring on them, they are actually not applicable in their lives. It doesn't mean that they're not good to do. It doesn't imply that at all. Now you have to realize this fact. Uh, Paul could not be trying to eradicate Sabbath in his writings because he himself was a Sabbath keeper. And remember he told the people, let's be imitators one of another. He also told the people, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm saying that to say this, is that Paul was a Sabbath keeper himself, so he was not trying to do away with or dispel or disregard the Sabbath. Neither was Jesus. Jesus came and showed us how to keep the Sabbath holy because the Jews had made it so strenuous and so streamlined. Jesus says, isn't it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. I'm going to deal with that one real quick for yourself. God made the Sabbath for our benefit. He didn't make us for the Sabbath's benefit. And let me talk about benefit real, real quick. This is, this is what I ask Sabbath keepers to do. And, and Christians, period. But we, we, the class today is on the Sabbath. But Christians, period. Let's make sure I'm talking to everybody that's saved. Since we said we live in for God to the rest of the world, we got to show the benefits in living for God. If you can't show no benefits to nobody for being a Christian, what would make them want to come be one? Just because you seem good? Just because your pastor preached good? That's going to make somebody want to come and, and, and give their life to God? No. We have to be able to show benefits that it's good to be a Christian. I listened to that song this morning. It's good to know Jesus. Well, why is it good to know Jesus? Because he's my protector. So I don't have to worry. He'll walk around being scared of everything. Why? Because Jesus is my protector. He's my provider. I shouldn't be walking around broke. Why? Because Jesus is my provider. He's my healer. I shouldn't be walking around sick, miserable, busted, disgusted. Why? Because Jesus is my healer. So we got to be able to show benefit. Somebody should ask you one day, how you get to work every day? You ain't never sick. You always here on time. Hey, man, that's the Lord living in me, man. Keeping my body strong. Why every time some drama pop off? Why are you the one always trying to be the peacemaker? It's the Jesus that lived in me, man. My feet is shrouded with the preparation of peace, bro. It's just all I do. Why is it that you and your wife seem like I ain't never going through nothing? Hey, man, that's just the God work through us. We all get fall out just like everybody else, but we know how to come back together. Hallelujah. So we have to show benefits. We have to be healthy if we're going to be Sabbath keepers. Sin is that the Sabbath is a health law. Uh-oh, just got somebody in trouble. Sin is that the Sabbath is a health law. What you doing, sin? No, let me, let me reframe that. What you doing, stay in sin? Because for Jesus to be our healer, that implies that we're going to get sick. If you need a healer, it implies you're going to get sick. But the implication is you shouldn't stay sick. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.
Let's go to the book of Acts, that 13th chapter. Graveyards, 
they keep buying property. Because they keep getting bigger and bigger. But you ain't got to die. We all gonna die. But you ain't got to die right now. At 58 years old, I ain't know no doctor though. And I thank God for that. At 58 years old, I still go out in that heat in 90 and 95, 99 degree weather and cut grass for four, five hours straight. My body is strong. I thank God for that. I sleep like a baby at night. My wife say I go, I go to sleep on the way to the pillow. And I sleep good all through the night. Wake up, use the bathroom, and go right back to bed. Now, you might think that those things mean nothing. I can eat good. 